0: Well, welcome to the house of the Lord this morning, and um, we're thinned out here, which is somewhat uh, expected. I think that's sort of happening all over the country here right now. And uh, for those of you, again, who are at home and uh, would normally be here, we thank you for joining in. You are family, we are family, and through this wonderful modem of, of technical cameras and sound and internet we're able to stay connected and again to all of you wherever you are all over the place we thank you and we so much appreciate hearing from you uh, from your different cities your different places and especially when you share with us some testimonies and things that's awesome we thank you let's ask the lord to just cover us for a moment father we thank you lord for the word of god we thank you lord for something that doesn't just motivate us or console us, but Father, that changes and transforms us. We ask you, Lord, for that sharp word, that word of understanding that cuts right down to the meat and marrow of our spirit. And that, Father, that we can then take authority over our flesh and our soul and our emotions and our mind and walk, Lord, with the light. And that, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you show us this morning that therefore there is no condemnation Lord so we've come to press into that father and we thank you that you will build upon what we already know and what we should know and help us father to grasp that truth to stand strong even in this time and in these hours and in the season and in these days that we are in in Jesus name amen well thank you for being here I want to focus on A theme this morning that I wrote to you and I said, not guilty, not guilty. How many of you have ever stood before a judge and have heard guilty or not guilty? Uh Uh-huh. Which one do you prefer? (laughs) Not guilty. And that is how we've been judged and how we've been set free and that's who we are. But sometimes we need to remember it, don't we? I want to deal first of all in exposing, not that you don't know already, but I think we all need to remember and understand that we are not warring against flesh and blood, are we? And even though it's not the flesh and blood of somebody else, sometimes we don't realize that it's our own flesh and blood. The biggest battle is me, myself, and I. That's who I have to get in line every moment, every day. And so, I want you to understand that the devil by nature, Satan, the one who's evil, his entire function is founded on condemnation. He rebelled against God, and he was condemned. He was condemned eternally. And then he transformed, and his very essence, the very substance, the very character of Satan himself and his evil kingdom is condemnation. There is nothing else that he can minister except condemnation. You say, but pastor, they say he comes as a light, but he comes as a light to blind. He comes as a light to deceive. He comes as a light to to entrap and to lure people into things because his intent, his entire goal is to condemn everybody along with himself. You might be interested to know that the very Hebrew name, For Satan himself is prosecutor, one who prosecutes, who judges. It's the very fiber of his spirit. And the same condemning spirit is also a mind blinder. He comes to blind our minds. And so on one hand, while he's administering the subtle condemnation, on the other hand, he wants to blind our minds to what? To truth. He's always come to deceive he's always come to distort the truth he's always come to keep us from the beginning of truth so condemnation is a supreme weapon of the enemy of our souls we need to understand that it's not something that we should embrace or something that should be natural to us it's unnatural to the born-again creature of God it's unnatural to the light of god it was so unnatural that god threw and expelled satan and those angels that fell with him out of heaven he condemned them and in so condemning them that nature that very essence of that evil kingdom is one of condemnation and that's all we should expect it's an enemy of the child of god and it attacks the spirit and it attacks the mind I likened it to becoming like a low grade fever of ongoing shame. Condemnation is oftentimes administered subtly, not in a grand scale. It's subtly fed into our spirits and into our minds to the point that we begin to just entertain it slightly, and then pretty soon it begins to overwhelm. And pretty soon all the things and the truths and the faith of God become dim in that darkness and all kind of feelings flood our souls that's why if you read in romans when paul was talking about the fact that he was freed of the law and that we've become free of the law and that christ himself became a curse and hung on the tree and the law was nailed on that tree with him he then changes into this thought in romans 8 1 moving from that thought in 7 And he says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. And I want to let that soak into your spirit there. There is therefore. Therefore from what? There from the fact that Christ hung on the tree and nailed the law. And we'll talk about the law in a moment. He nailed the law on the tree so that there therefore would be no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, in its most dramatic sense, we would want to interpret do not walk according to the flesh as sin, but that's not necessarily all that it means. What it means is that we are not subjecting ourselves to the flesh. And the flesh would include the mind and the soulish realm, the emotions. Those are the characters of that fleshly realm, our mind, our soulish realm, the emotions. That's what triggers that. And so what Paul was saying is, therefore, there is no condemnation, number one, if you're in Christ Jesus, and number two, if you're not subjecting and submitting yourself to the flesh, the flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, right? So we need to understand that According to this scripture that Paul's giving us, it's a transition from the condemnation of the law to the liberty of Christ, but it's according to the spirit. And so be Jewish with me and let's interpret that scripture again from the end to the beginning of it. According to the spirit, not according to the flesh. If you are in Christ, there's no condemnation. Do it with me again. According to the spirit, not according to the flesh, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. So when we understand that, what we want to draw upon is the spirit of Christ and our spirit united with Christ. So let's delve in a little deeper. The spirit of condemnation is the most suppressive, deadening malignancy that impedes active faith. It's a cancer. It's a spiritual cancer. And when condemnation grabs a root in it, it's a bitter root. It wraps its ugly arms around the malevolent characteristics that include what? Fault finding. You will find people who are walking around condemned to be fault finders because they find fault in themselves first. And what they see through the lens of condemnation is faults in others, first themselves and then others. And then insecurity. When we are stuck in condemnation, we're insecure. We feel as if we're useless. We begin to question our variability in almost everything and anything. It stops small and then it grows bigger. People that are really burdened in condemnation have a very low self-esteem because they don't know how to love themselves because the devil contends to tell them how bad they are. There's inadequacy, irrelevancy, and then resignation. And then finally, withdrawal. People that succumb to condemnation withdraw. Because the pain is too much. The challenge is too great. And there's lack of hope. And so we understand that there's two forces working One, it says if the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal spirit. Quicken is bring life. Make it alive in every aspect, not just in one aspect, not just in faith, but in every aspect, in freedom. Freedom from fear and doubt and to have hope. It quickens us if that same Spirit dwells in us that raised Jesus from the dead. And then, on the other hand, that's opposed to the spirit of condemnation, which deadens the actions of the spirit. They're at war with one another a quickening in the life in Christ and the deadening of the condemnation of the evil one and of our own minds. And so, we understand that this battle, this battle, this issue takes place in the soulish realm of each and every one of us. It takes place in our emotions, as I said, it takes place in our minds, and it manifests in our flesh. Isn't it interesting that medical science of recent, and when I say of recent, basically at the turn of the century, of this century and through the 90s, the 1990s, came to a conclusion that there's some kind of a link between the spirituality of a person and their health. Is that not true, doctor? Doctors? That's true, is it not? And we understand that we don't pray just against an illness. We pray against the root of the illness. And when we pray against and deliver from the root of the illness, there's always something that tries to linger in the person. It's called condemnation. And that question is did it really happen? Um, is it me, or was it just somebody else, and is it going to come back, and, and, and did I deserve it, and is that gate still open, is that door? So many different religious mindsets settle in, and we struggle with them. Now, let's just be honest and transparent with this. Am I the only one that has to go through that regimen and struggle with those things? I think we all do, don't we? No matter what level it is. We have to be able to segregate in our minds what is condemnation and what is conviction. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is not condemnation. Condemnation robs hope. Condemnation makes us impetuous. Condemnation steals faith. Condemnation hurts But on the other hand, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is to bring hope, and it's to strengthen us, not to weaken us, and it's to give us hope and to give us understanding. So the first thing we do, I often teach and preach that it's no good to just give a word if there's not a practical application to it, is it? This sounds wonderful, but you say, okay, now what do I do? Well, here's what you do. Here's what I do. Here's what we all need to do. We need to practice to hear the voice of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to know the voice of the evil one that is the spirit of condemnation. So, as Paul said, we test the spirits. And you will find that as we sharpen that weapon, and it is a weapon to annihilate condemnation, as we sharpen that weapon, our defense forces become stronger. And stronger. We need to build a force field against condemnation. Now I know I'm dating myself a little bit for the for the people, some of the people that are in here, but if you recall, I'm in, I remember watching Star Trek and so amazed that they had a force field. And I thought, wow, a force field. And I remember walking around imagining in the woods I had a force field. Well, we do have a force field. And that force field is our faith. And that force field is not not only our faith, but it's the decisions we make in what is truth and not truth. And the Holy Spirit guides us in that. And so we build upon it, building blocks. We build upon the firm foundation of the word and we ask for that fresh revelation of the Holy Spirit in every instance. But there's certain things that we should already make up our mind in faith so that we don't have to struggle with it every time. And some of those things we need to establish in our spirit and our soul. And if we're still having trouble with them, we need to continue to establish them and practice them. None of us would ever be walking if we never first learned to step up from crawling. We'd still be a bunch of grown adults walking around, crawling, and unfortunately, that's a lot of faith that we raise up in the church sometimes. It's crawling faith, creeping faith, instead of standing and running faith. And so we want to build upon those foundations. What are some of those foundations? Well, God has given us a sound mind. This mind isn't supposed to be moving with every circumstances and going here and there. And sometimes we have to arrest it. We have to stop it. We have to say to it, stop, halt. In Jesus' name, something's dysfunctional. Something's not connecting. Something's not working right. Lord, Holy Spirit, show me truth. And sometimes we need to just wait. Take those two spiritual aspirins called patience and waiting on the Lord and just wait on the Lord and not react not move, not come to a decision and say, Lord, I might come to the wrong decision. And in fact, if you're not in it, I'm about 99.9% I shall. Because condemnation wants us to step out and do it ourselves. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit says, I'm with you. I will never forsake you. I'm deep inside of you and I am interceding for you. In a language and groanings and moanings, you may not understand, but it's clear as a bell to my Father in heaven. And so we seek the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we do this as a practice, not just on Sunday morning when it gets quiet with the music, and not just when we're in a panic. Because sometimes when we're in a panic, we don't hear it too clearly. We're too busy. We're too overwhelmed with trying to fight back the waves of, of fear and the waves of doubt and the, and, and how about the waves of, of the advice of other people? Sometimes we should be careful not to give advice. Sometimes we should be careful not to have the answer unless we really heard the answer and know the answer. Now certain things we set as precepts in our faith, don't we? We don't have to have the Holy Spirit remind us that disease is not of God. We don't have to have the Holy Spirit remind us that we can speak to an issue, to a problem in the name of Christ and that it can be moved. We just have to move it. We have to settle that in our hearts and in our spirits that we are equipped with those weapons. We have to settle it in our heart and spirit that everything that we need, every answer that is necessary for us to live A victorious life in Christ is in the word of God, amplified by the Holy Spirit in the present now for us. Let that soak in a moment. Everything that we need to overcome the onslaught of the weapon of condemnation of the enemy is in the word of God, amplified by the Holy Spirit in the present now for us. So we have to turn to the word of God and then we have to apply it to the present. And we have to hear from God. Now, God will speak to us through each other. He'll speak to you through a message in the Word of God. He'll speak to you through worship. He'll speak to you through a stranger. But we confirm it. We listen. And then we stand. So condemnation, as I was analyzing and assessing the root of the spirit that's being thrown out, on the world right now, of this lawlessness and chaos and disorder, that which we've seen amplified since May 25th. Why May 25th? Because May 24th, standing right here, the Lord had me prophesy that lawlessness and disorder was about to be loosed upon this nation the very next day George Floyd was murdered. And since then, we've had lawlessness and chaos and disorder like we haven't seen before. And I don't believe it's going to subside. I believe we have to become those who are weaponized to overcome it. And to be weaponized to overcome it, we need to see the stark reality that this, the root of this, the root of all of this is the spirit of condemnation. It's come to condemn, calling what's good evil and evil good. That's condemnation. Accusing of the brethren, the accusers of the brethren that we heard about in Revelation. And now the accuser of the brethren has fallen. That means he's still accusing. And his desire is to send messages to the throne room of God to try and prosecute the people of God. But I've got great news for us. In order to prosecute, you must have a book of laws. Right? You must have a book of laws. There has to be some kind of a judicial system that says, if you do this, you receive this. And we have different degrees of punishment for what you've done. And then you can be adjudicated by your peers, supposedly. At least, supposedly, in this country. And some other parliamentary countries. But it's not that way in the kingdom of God. The Father God is the supreme judge. Christ himself says, fear not he who can kill the body, but he who afterwards can cast you into hell. And something wonderful happened. He was made sin, Jesus Christ, who never sinned so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so that sin that could condemn us also fulfilled the law. Didn't destroy the law. Fulfilled the law. There's a big difference. You see, if... He would have destroyed the law, then God's kingdom would not be true. Then God would have made a mistake with the law. Then the law which was intended to provoke people to understand they were sinning would have been bad. But no, what God did was he built upon the law. Scriptures tells us in John 8 that we had the law and the prophets. And then came John the Baptist and then came Jesus. And Jesus said, I've come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So that in him, in our faith in him, and this is important for you to understand, as a premise and a foundation appear to build upon in understanding overcoming condemnation, is that you are no longer subject to the law because Christ fulfilled the law for you. So now when the prosecutor, the evil one, the devil wants to go to prosecute you, whoever it's in front of, first of all, yourself. He wants to prosecute you according to a law that doesn't exist for you anymore, according to yourself. And so when we allow that to happen in our mind, he wants to tell you you're guilty. He wants to tell you that you missed it. He wants to tell you that this is the as good as it's ever going to get for you, so you may as well quit. Isn't it? Interesting that that system of government doesn't exist for us anymore. We're citizens here, but we're citizens there. And that government there is free of that law. That system doesn't work anymore. Father, let thy kingdom come here on earth, even as it is there. So when condemnation comes upon you, listen to me, it's illegal. to your neighbor and say condemnation is illegal and mean it neighbor say to him what do you mean say to him what do you mean it has no place in my life it's illegal it's illegal so isn't it interesting that the enemy of our soul wants to convict us with something that's illegal because guess what he is He's illegal, he's unlawful, he's a deceitful, he's a criminal, (laughs) he's a criminal. We're not allowed to hate anybody except him. And I tell him every day how I hate him. I will not capitalize his name. You will never see me write anything that I put a capital S, he does not deserve it. In fact, if I'm giving something in writing, I always take Satan and make it half the size of everything else. And every time I do, I say, take that in your eyes, Satan. I hate you. I hate you. We need to understand that you have a lawful right of justice in the highest court there is with the highest advocate you could possibly have. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, some of you put your hand up when I said, how many of you have been before the judge and you've had a rendering of guilty or not guilty? Right? Joe, yes. Put your hand up again, Joe. Yes. Thank you, Joe. Yes, Eric. My hand is up too. Hey! Guilty or not guilty. Now, let's talk about if you really did it. Hmm? Everybody says they didn't do it. What if you really did it? When you go into that courtroom, unless you're a fool, you got a lawyer that somebody told you has a good relationship with the judge, huh? Huh? You're looking for a lawyer that is respected by the judge, that knows the ways of the judge, that is gonna get you some favor because you don't deserve it. And you want to get a not guilty. Because you're looking for a stacked deck. Come on. Uh Everybody's looking at everybody. You want the lawyer to be in cahoots with the judge and the prosecutor to be told to stand down so you can slide. You want a stacked deck. Well, let me tell you something. Your deck is stacked eternally. You have an advocate. Not only does he know the judge, He and the judge are one. And what one says, the other one says. And what one knows, the other one knows. And the difference is, your advocate, my advocate, he goes before the Father. He says, Father, the ones whom you have given me, I have kept them in your name. Now, Father, you and me, me and you, we and them, they are sinless not guilty not guilty not guilty the one thing the devil would love for us to be bound up in is religion religion tells us how guilty we are all the time doesn't matter what level of religion doesn't matter I'm not just picking on the most religious denominations. I'm talking about every form of religion finds a way to find a way to minister guilt. I think my greatest challenge, my greatest prayer daily as the Lord allows me to counsel or to minister or to pray or to bring a word is to ask him to keep my heart full of grace. Because without that grace... We can so easily slide into a mentality of guilt finding and guilt ministering. We don't need to be told how imperfect we are every day. We know that. We don't need to be told how we miss God. I miss God every day, some way. Every day. I'm, I'm the only one I know. Y'all are doing much better than me. I, I have regrets. Old ones that I have to fight back all the time. They try to come back and condemn me. And I have to remind myself first and then speak to that spirit that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are new. And those things of old, not only has the Lord freed me and redeemed me from, but he's buried them. And yet the devil tries to bring them back into my consciousness to where the next thought is, am I still that way? Am I still supposed to pay a price for a failure that I had before? Is this the best as it gets for me? Am I the only one that has those conversations with my own mind? And then just when you really are fighting with them, somebody wonderful comes along and tells you how you blew it. Just what you needed. Right, you got a broken leg and they take your crutch. And so then you want to get angry with them. And that bitterness that's inside says, I'm never going to see or talk to them again. Pastor, your word today wasn't soft enough for me. I'm done with you. Pastor, you quoted the wrong scripture. I'm done with you. I've heard it all, but I've also found myself having to bite my lip from finding fault in others, because I realize the root of that is condemnation, and it's an issue inside of me, not them. Our advocate, Jesus Christ, is there for us. I'm going to close with this. I have so much more, but I want to close with this. As I was praying about this some more yesterday afternoon and here in the church last evening, it kept coming to mind to me about Peter. And we all know the story of Peter, especially Peter when he fell short of Jesus. I mean, it wasn't just, but moments before really when we look at a term of a life, it might've been a few days, might even been a week But it wasn't much when Peter told the Lord, I'll die with you, Lord, I'll never leave you. Basically, he was saying, I'll take a bullet for you. I'd rather be killed myself than allow something to happen to you. That's the conversation they had. But that was Simon speaking. That wasn't Peter. That was old man, not new man. You see, Peter had not yet grounded himself in the power of the resurrection. He didn't understand the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't empowered in Christ yet. He was powered by Christ in the flesh, but not empowered by Christ in the Spirit. And so Simon spoke that out. And when Christ was in his most needy moment, and Peter was just trying to get close enough, but not too close to be associated with him, hiding in the shadows of the fire. We see that some people close by to him recognized him. They said, aren't you that man that walked with him? Aren't you that one? And what does he do to get his point across? Simon the fisherman, who probably got a hook stuck in his hand a couple times, he curses just to make sure they get the point that wasn't him not me they ask him again you know what the literal translation of how he responded i got i thought it was i got humor out of it hey man that sound familiar that's how he answered hey man it's not me they asked him again hey man do you snort cocaine now? Hey, man, it's not me. Some of you got that humor, some of you didn't. That's okay. Some of you say, where is he going? It's not me. And then he heard the rooster. Jesus told him before that. Notice he called him by Simon, not Peter. Simon, I prayed for you. The devil, the prosecutor, asked for you to sift you, but I prayed for you. Emotions flooded Peter. He had betrayed Jesus. Right after Judas had betrayed Jesus, two betrayals, which one was worse? It's the reactions to the two. Judas, totally condemned, hung himself. Peter, the Lord prayed for. Him. I'm sure the agony and the weeping and the pain inside of him was unbearable as he watched Christ dragged to the cross. I'm sure the regrets were beyond being able to hold on to him. I assure you the prosecutor of his soul was trying to condemn him to go hang himself too something held on something held on do you think maybe it was that gaze of the Lord when he looked out of that forum where they were prosecuting him on earth and he looked upon the gaze of Peter as Peter and as his Lord instead of as Simon do you think maybe it was this last moment of love from the face of the Lord in the face of his worst moment to his son, his brother, who had betrayed him. If only we can see the face of the love of the Lord in the moment of our condemnation, that's enough to carry us. That's enough. His grace is sufficient. I can imagine how Peter was he went and looked in that empty tomb. Hope sprung alive again. Conviction sprung alive again. Condemnation, which he had been fighting every moment, every hour, every moment, every day, which was agonizing him, began to slow down. And then came that message, go tell my disciples and Beloved, I want you to know something. I'd love to be able to tell you you're not going to have another bad day in your life. If you live beyond today, you will. We all will. But we have an assurance of our hope. And we need to analyze and understand that the very deepest, most bitter root of the antagonist of our peace and walk with God, our faith, is that spirit of condemnation it's a weapon but we have a greater weapon and that that weapon yes it's formed against you but it cannot prosper and you have already been adjudicated in heaven your life has been adjudicated that's why i say to us and to everybody let's not put other structures in our path as we look upon the heavenly courts to bless us. Jesus is there. He's got it. The Holy Spirit has it. I don't need to go find some mysterious way to enter into the courts of heaven to adjudicate what Jesus has already done. I need to accept it. I need to receive it. I need to believe it. I need to Declare it. You see, that weapon that comes out of this mouth, that's grounded in this heart, that's on a strong faith. When you say, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that spirit of condemnation, you must go. And you declare the truth, you have already established your victory here on earth again. You have to declare it. Now if you want a lot of steps and it makes you feel good with religion let me pray about it. Maybe I'll open up a confessional over here and I'll have another day once a week where we can come in and confess our sins and uh, we'll anoint you with oil and I'll give you a card and if you give us five bucks I'll give you this. You can go. That's religion. That's religion. We laugh at that But yet we eat talismans every day and we start practicing another religion that says we need to do this and this and that to enter into the courts of heaven. And if we don't, we're going to have the same problem for 20 years. That's what the guy said who wrote that. I'm sorry if I'm hitting some people's theologies. I could leave you there if that's where you want to be. It'll work if you want to keep practicing and working at your religion. Or I could take you to a higher place that you walk in that faith every moment, every day. You see, I I want us all to come to that point where we know that we know that we know that where we are is already the courtroom of God with us. Do you understand that? I don't want to have to pause to enter into another court. He's in me. His kingdom is in me. Christ already established it. He said it's finished. Why do I want to start something that he finished Why do I want to try to do it better? Why do I want to show him that I'm working harder? Beloved, been there and done that. Been there and done that. That's what grace is all about. Grace is resting in that promise of God. Grace is sufficient to overcome all condemnation. And condemnation is the root. It's the root. Whom the Son sets free. It's free indeed. Don't let anyone put shackles back on you. Don't let a pastor do it. Don't let a theology do it. Don't let a new book do it. Don't let a new movement do it. Don't let an old movement do it. Don't let old laws in the Old Testament do it. Don't let people do it. And don't do it to yourself. Free. Break them free. Walk faith. Walk in grace. Feel the face of the Lord's love looking at you. and Thank Him for it. Receive it and be it. Amen. All right. Um, We're going to seal this message in the Lord. I want to collect our offering. And if you'd like an envelope, if you put your hand up, please, we'll hand you one. For those online, thank you. We appreciate you continuing to support both local and who aren't here locally. Um, We continue to do a lot by the grace of God. Even when things are thin and all this stuff is going on, um, we're in good shape by the grace of God. God provides. Um, But it's our opportunity to sow in the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, I don't preach and teach about that often other than to tell you that, you know, what you sow is what you receive. And the Lord does ask us to sow. And because of that, we are able to help ministries all over the world. This little house has long tentacles that go out. Sometimes it's a little bit compared to what some other ministries can do. But God takes it and multiplies it and does a lot he does a lot for each and every one of us last night the installers left and these windows were installed along this side of the sanctuary and this afternoon they're coming back to finish these and i think we're done then right bruce we have one up above there yet to do and our window project is done well it's for intents and purposes it's done. We got some touch-up work and caulking and painting and cleaning, but that's easy stuff to be done in the winter here now. So we thank God for that. The new van is sitting out there. We have a mortgage on it. We'll pay it off. But we wanted to get set for our children. Thank you for being here. We typically do have something for children, but right now we've just settled it down a little bit for this month. Well, many people are trying to figure out what to do. And we want to be cautious, and we're not going to mock um, taking caution, but I will tell you this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The anxiety of what can happen with the virus is so much worse than the virus itself. It really is. I've talked to many, many people, including myself, who got, you know, analyzed that that, uh, with COVID, well... I can tell you right now, and I don't mean this to mock it, but if I'd have known it was going to be that mild and nothing, I'd have said, give me that stuff and let's get it over with. I mean, I'm just telling you, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Do you have underlying conditions, be careful and other people around you, be careful because that's who it does affect. But if you're basically healthy and, you know, even if you've got them, you got your good Lord and he'll take care of you. And the way I look at it, You know, now I don't even have to argue about uh, a vaccine because I got antibodies. Now they want my blood, right? I got good blood. I got that antibody blood. And I'm going to give it. Another week, I'm going to give it because somebody who is really in bad shape, that plasma can make the difference for them. And and, and if that's the goodness that comes out of it, praise the Lord. The only symptom I had, I had a headache for two days. That was it might have been a headache from somebody else. I don't know, but that's all I had. That's all I had by the grace of God. And then I had to rest. Oh my Lord, I had to rest a few days. What a blessing. What a blessing. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't mock, but don't be afraid. God's got it. God has it. God has it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for for the offering of the saints, and Lord, we lift it up unto you. We ask you to receive it, Lord, and to be blessed. And Father, I ask you to multiply in the hands of all those who could give and couldn't give equally, and to bless those online with us as well, Father. Let us be good stewards, the best stewards. And thank you, Father, to spread this out amongst the kingdom as best you will, and Father, to tend to the things of the house of the Lord here in this house. We bless you, for it in Jesus' name amen I want to seal the prayer um, we we are going to have a top flight Tuesday Tuesday night uh, so if you'd like to come you're welcome to come uh, if you don't want to come you don't come if I'm talking to myself I'll talk to myself I do that anyway so if you want to watch online you watch online um, Only the Lord knows which way we'll go. I feel compelled. We do need to spend some of that time in prayer, real prayer. We need to pray uh, for this nation. We need to pray for that election January 5th in Georgia. I make no bones to tell you that our first, the very first thing we do to assess somebody, I don't care who they are, what party they're at, is are they pro-life, period. I start with that. Are you pro-life? Everything else? down become secondary to me are you pro-life so i think you know how we're praying pro-life why because it's going to be before this supreme court in the next year or two and there will be attempts to change the law if it could be changed in the legislature to come against getting rid of that rule of roe versus wade they will make attempts if they have the power to those who do not honor the sanctity of life, to try and legislate something. Be wise what the real battle is, what the real root is. It's a curse upon this nation of killing our unborn children, over 60 million of them. We can't relent. We must fight. We must hold on. We must believe God. All the rest of the stuff, green, blue, red deals, you know what? The Lord will sort all that out. For me, I'm going to continue to eat beef, and cows can fart if they want to. I'm all gay with it. (laughs) Patty, why are you you laughing, Patty? Uh, Yeah, Laura Lee's missing. That's why I snuck it in while she wasn't here. You could tell her. Snooze, you lose. All right, thank you. Father, we ask you to just seal that which you've given us this morning. We ask you, Lord, to bless us we ask you father to let that word soak into our spirit to let us walk as conquerors in jesus christ in the name of jesus we rebuke the condemning spirit in the almighty lord's name of anybody here in an earshot of where we are and we ask you lord to dismantle it and to allow each and every one of us to see the revelation of truth the revelation of your word of God, the revelation of the power of Christ working in us and for us at all times in every place. Go with us, Father. Let your glory be upon us, around us, and through us and in us in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being here. We appreciate it.